Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 205 of Sorta Awesome. We hope that you're in the middle of one of your most awesome summers yet. Today, we are continuing our Sorta Awesome Summer Story Series, and I can't wait for you to meet today's featured awesome. But before we get to that, I just want to say, do you know that still to this day, one of the very best ways for a podcast to find new listeners is through recommendations from friends. So if you have friends who are looking for a new podcast to binge this summer, make sure you've told them how much you think they'll love Sorta Awesome. Invite them to be part of our awesome nation and show them how to subscribe to the show. We are so thankful for every one of you awesomes who tune in every week. And we'd love for you to spread our mission of being awesome in this world to the people around you. And if you ever want a super easy way to pass the show on to a friend, whether that friend is looking for a new show to binge or maybe even a friend who isn't even all that into podcasts, Remember, you can always send people our way via our website. So tell your friends to head on over to SortaAwesomeShow.com. Okay, like I said, this is episode 205 of Sorta Awesome. I'm joined by one of our superstar supporters today, Jill Goolsby. Jill's life story includes a lot of fascinating and also very powerful moments, including adopting a child with no advance notice, raising children who have special needs, and encountering the reality of domestic abuse and violence through the life of a dear friend. In fact, we're going to really be digging into that part of her story in just a bit. And I'm just so grateful to finally be discussing this really, really important and relevant topic on Sorta Awesome. So Jill, welcome to Sorta Awesome. Thanks for having me. So glad that you're here. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your experience with us this week. You know, on Sorta Awesome, of course, we try to focus on the awesome parts of life. This show is going to be a little bit more serious, but one of the things that we can do truly as awesomes is bring that awesome to the world around us. And Jill, as you're going to tell us, sometimes that involves really paying attention and looking for ways that we can advocate for our friends. So I'm so glad that you kind of volunteered yourself to share this part of your story with us. Well, I appreciate you giving your platform to highlight this issue that affects so many women. It really, really does. So we are going to get to all of that here in just a few minutes. But first, let's do go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. 
it's that moment in the show where we stop to tell you about what's awesome in life right now, whether it is books or TV shows, movies, podcast products, whatever is making life just a little bit more sparkly and fun these days. So Jill, I can't wait to hear what you brought for us. Okay, what I have is not something I normally want, but I'm obsessed with it. Okay. The Hamilton Beach Breakfast Sandwich Maker. Oh, how fun. Yes. It is small, like you can hold it in one hand. So it doesn't take up a bunch of space on your countertop and you could even like put it in a cabinet or whatever if you didn't want it. But what's really great about it is that my kids can make themselves a hot egg sandwich without any involvement from me. And that is the totally awesome part. (laughs) Yeah, they can clean it up. The whole thing, start to finish, they are in charge of it. So it's just empowered them to go like handle their own lunches or whatever, especially during summer when you're in the kitchen all day. Yeah. Doling out food. It's nice (laughs) to give this to them. So that has been great. And it's like $25. So when they get sick of it in three months or whatever, that's okay. We can put it away and bring it back out and it's fine. Yes. I know so many awesomes are such a fan of this. I need to get one. I don't know what I've been waiting for, but you are so right. In the summer, it just seems like, and I remember being like this as a kid too. So it's like, this is just how kids are in the summer. But everyone needs something to eat at all times. <laughs> at all, and not at the same time. No, no, they never at the same time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So to have something in your kitchen where they can just do it themselves. Oh my gosh, it's so nice. And again, we don't have one, but from what I understand, it is compact enough that it's not going to be like this huge thing that you're leaving out on your counter all day and working around and all of that. Not at all. It's just like a little bit bigger than an English muffin, like maybe three high or something. It is not a problem. Yes. You know, we try to be pretty minimalist with our kitchen like devices. I don't even know what the right word is. Gadgets. (laughs) gadgets. Yes. We really try to keep those to a minimum, but sometimes you do find just the right thing that you're like, oh my gosh, now I have to have this. I feel that way about our egg cooker. Oh yeah. It's so great. It's small. It hard boils six eggs at a time. You can do other things. Like I think you can actually like a mini omelet in there. We never do that. We just use it for hard boiling eggs. It's so small. It's done in less than 20 minutes and they come out perfectly. I'm like, I don't care about any minimalism when it comes to this egg cooker. (laughs) (laughs) What it saves you in time is Uh precious. Yes, that's absolutely right. Okay, so the Hamilton Beach Breakfast Sandwich Maker, right? Right. Okay, well, we will definitely have a link in the show notes. Like I said, I know lots of you awesomes already love that, but maybe this will be a new trend. We'll all get them this summer. And it will change all of our lives. So my awesome of the week is also food related kind of for summer. I wanted to share with you all that I have been making cold brew popsicles, which has been really great. If you are a coffee lover, I think that you're going to really love these. They are perfect to have a little caffeine hit on a summer afternoon, especially, I don't know about you, Jill. But my kids love those cheap, just like crappy popsicles. In fact, like the pop ices that are not even a popsicle. They're just... Yeah, it's like 99 cents for 72 or something. (laughs) Yeah, we have those. Yeah, and you can tell by the cheapness. This is not good quality stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I get it. My kids love those. I loved them when I was a kid, but I cannot eat them anymore. They are so sweet. They literally make my teeth hurt if I try to eat one. So one nice thing that's just so chilled out on a summer afternoon, go out on the back deck, everybody grab a Popeye's or a Popsicle. 
But since I don't want a kid pop ice or popsicle, I have been loving these cold brew popsicles. And it's so easy to do. You just grab a silicone popsicle mold. I mean, I guess probably any kind of popsicle mold that you use for making homemade popsicles would work. I like the silicone kind because they're really easy to just peel off the mold and you're good to go. So I'll link to the popsicle mold that we have in the show notes. You all can check that out. But it's honestly just taking a pre-made cold brew coffee. So of course you can make cold brew yourself, but these days it seems like in every grocery store in like refrigerated drink section, everybody's got an already made cold brew coffee that you can use. And so you could brew it yourself or you could grab some from the grocery store, mix it with some heavy cream, or if you have dairy sensitivities, you could totally mix in your favorite sort of dairy alternative, whether it's coconut milk or almond milk or whatever, add some sweetener, mix up a little batch, you pour it in your molds and there you go. You have such a nice pick-me-up on a summer afternoon. So I'll put a link to the recipe that I originally used to kind of get inspiration from. It's from a blog called Have Butter Will Travel, (laughs) which is so fun. But really, you don't even really need a recipe. It's really that easy. It's just cold brew coffee, cream or dairy of some kind, some sweetener. And it's just such a nice, you know, like grown up afternoon summer treat. So I've really been loving them. That sounds amazing. So fun. So we have some culinary inspiration for you all this week. Awesome. Sit our awesome of the week. I will put the link to all of this in the show notes for you all to check out. These are our awesomes of the week. This week, we always love to hear what is awesome in your life. So remember that every Friday morning over on Instagram, we have a big awesome of the week discussion for you over there. And if you're on Facebook, we'd love to have you join us in our sort of awesome hangout group where every Friday morning, we have our big mega thread awesomes of the week, people talking about awesome events in their life, new babies and graduations and all of that, as well as just general recommendations that the awesomes are known for. So if you have not joined us on Facebook, we'd love to have you there at facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. You guys know how much I absolutely love Kapari's aluminum-free coconut deodorant. Not only does it go on clear and smell great, it also works all day. It even holds up to the sweaty summer heat. I wouldn't say it if it weren't true, you guys. So I wanted to let you know that they've got an amazing new scent called Driftwood, and it's the first charcoal deodorant from Kapari. Now, you've heard me talk about the original coconut deodorant, the beach and gardenia scents, and the fragrance-free version. Kapari's new driftwood scent smells like sandalwood and cedarwood with middle notes of zesty clove. It's also made with activated charcoal, which works to draw out sweat and toxins and absorb odor-causing bacteria. It's all the things you'd want in a deodorant, and Kapari's coconut deodorant is a cleaner alternative to traditional deodorants. It is aluminum-free, vegan, and does not contain silicones, sulfates, parabens, GMOs, or baking soda. Instead, this deodorant keeps you fresh with plant-based actives like sage oil and coconut oil. It's great if you've got sensitive skin, like most of my family does, or if you just don't want a bunch of questionable ingredients on your body. And best of all, you never have to worry about running out of deodorant because you can get Kapari automatically shipped to you as often as you choose for free. Plus, Kapari offers a money-back guarantee. So go to kaparibeauty.com awesome to save $5 off of your first deodorant order when you subscribe. That's Kapari, K-O-P-A-R-I, beauty.com slash awesome, kaparibeauty.com slash awesome. 
Hey, Awesomes, just a few weeks ago, I was telling my kids about summers spent at my grandparents' house and how much fun we had in those days when there wasn't much on TV and there was lots to do outside. It got me thinking about the old home movies that I know are stashed away in a closet in my parents' house somewhere that sadly are kind of lost to time because they're on old VHS tapes. That's why I'm so excited that Legacy Box is back. Legacy Box did an amazing job of digitizing some of Kyle and I's old pictures from back in the 90s. But maybe like me, you've got tons of your childhood memories stored away somewhere that your kids have never seen. With Legacy Box, you become the family hero when you bring back lost memories to watch and see again. You can save your family films and photos from degrading and being lost forever. All you do is send your Legacy Box filled with your old home movies and pictures. They do the rest. They professionally digitize your moments onto a thumb drive, digital download, or DVD. You get all of those original recorded moments back along with perfectly preserved digital copies. And I love that Legacy Box sends you personalized updates at every step. Legacy Box is the world's largest, most trusted digitizer of home movies and photos. With over a decade of experience, they do all of their work by hand right here in the USA. Awesomes, there's never been a better time to digitally preserve your memories. Visit LegacyBox.com today to get started. Plus, for a limited time, they're offering you guys an exclusive discount. Go to LegacyBox.com slash awesome to get 40% off of your first order. That's LegacyBox.com slash awesome and save 40% today. Get started preserving your past. All right, Jill, I am so excited to dig into your story. Although, like I said, this is a heavier topic that we've never discussed on Sorta Awesome. And I'm feeling kind of like, why have we not done this before? Because... Current statistics suggest that one in four women have experienced physical violence from either an intimate partner or somebody in a domestic situation at some point in their life, which that is like a staggering number. If you think about one in four women, if you think about yourself and three of your closest friends, you know, the idea that one of you out of that group could have experienced or is experiencing some kind of violence or abuse from an intimate partner, that is just a mind-boggling number. It is. And you probably haven't discussed it on the show because it's not often discussed, at least right. among my friend group. It wasn't until this happened. It just was not on my radar. Exactly. Another statistic that I read is that women ages 18 to 24 and then 25 to 34, those two demographic groups generally experience the highest rate of what's, I guess, in the sort of caregiving realm here. It's known as intimate partner violence or IPV. But those two demographics tend to be the age groups that experience it at the highest rates, which that's a pretty big section of sort of awesome demographic, honestly. So for all of those reasons. And also just, you know, I want to use discretion in saying this, but family member of mine, someone who I'm close to in my family has experienced this. And it was an incredibly frightening situation for me to be like sort of on the sidelines too. And I was completely out of my realm. I didn't know what to do or how to respond, how to react. It's a very helpless feeling once you kind of realize what's going on. So for all of those reasons, Jill, let's kind of dig into your story. Maybe start at the beginning. You have a friend who was a victim of domestic violence and ultimately lost her life. So why don't you start at the beginning with telling her story? Sure. Okay. We had a mutual friend and we had a Bible study group for years that met once a week. And it was pretty 
like an intimate group. In the beginning, there were six or seven of us and everybody just came kind of as they were. There were like lots of tears. We experienced a lot of life changes as we moved through this group. It was a close knit group. And we started to realize my friend was in her early 40s and started dating someone. She had been divorced and had children and started dating someone. And my vibe was that he was kind of a jerk, Mm -hmm. but he lived in another town. So I didn't have a good read on that. Like he doesn't sound like a good match for my big hearted, like kind friend, but I didn't have a whole lot of evidence to back that up. Were you sort of like getting this vibe sort of intuitively or would she share details that kind of gave you pause? Like that doesn't sound right. Both. Okay. The whole relationship went lightning fast. Have you seen Dirty John or have you listened to that podcast? I listened to the podcast. I sure did. I did both. And I would think watching the show maybe gave more of her side, like Mm, the woman's side mm -hmm. of, of why she was in it and stayed in it. Yeah. But it was very, very similar. I mean, abusers have a pattern and this situation very much followed that pattern. So it went lightning fast. And looking back, I can see he was kind of trying to isolate her, but I didn't understand Mm, that at the time. Right. But she also made some comments that I didn't really know what to do with. Like he had said something about her diet and just some things that were concerning but yeah. I didn't know to be scared for her safety. Yes. I thought this probably is not going to go well, but I didn't understand how high the stakes were, if that makes mm. sense. Oh, it totally does. Yes. I think you're so right that abusers definitely, seems sounds kind of crazy to say, but there's almost like a checklist of behaviors that they engage in, things that they say, things that begin to happen in the lives of a victim of abuse that it's like predictable pattern that this, okay, this is what's going on. But I totally relate to what you're saying in the sense that when I was watching my family member go through this, I knew something was very wrong. But at the same time, I didn't have any like hard evidence to back up what I was feeling at the time. Yeah. And it's hard to call that out. Yes. On the basis of this just doesn't sound okay. Right. Everyone's an adult. This friend of yours was in her early 40s. It's not like she was, um, you know, sort of a young, naive where you would feel like, oh, I really need to kind of step in. And there's a different dynamic there when somebody is fully an adult. Yeah, it's hard to navigate what to do. And she was financially stable and she was a very well-respected anesthesiologist. So she didn't need, like she wasn't logistically tied to this relationship, Mm. which I think in my head, I thought an abuse victim stayed because they didn't have a choice. Right. And I think downplayed in my mind just how disorienting an abuser can be. Mm, So true. Yeah. I mean, the gaslighting and I think he called into question her judgment and she didn't know what she could trust and what she couldn't trust of herself. Yeah. That makes so much sense. And so Like I said, we were part of this Bible study and we met every Wednesday night and our last meeting that she attended, we met at her house and I got there before anybody and she was on the phone with him. He had this time lived in another city a couple of hours away. She was on the phone with him and I could tell like it wasn't good. She was not in a good place. This wasn't going well. Everybody else came. We went through our Bible study and kind of just got out of there because I thought she needs to talk to her closest friend that is going to stay and talk to her. 
Mm. And we need to give her that space. And so we did. This was on a Wednesday night and she shared that she was going to leave. She shared with our friend, which was the first time she'd ever really shared that, that this was an abusive situation and she was going to get out of it. And Friday morning, he killed her. Oh, wow. Oh, how devastating. It feels really weird to still say those words. I've kind of prepped myself all morning to know. Yeah. That's so incredibly heartbreaking and gosh, just such a terrible, terrible ending to that story for her. Yeah. And I only talk about it so other people are aware of what can happen. Mm -hmm. And also to understand that the most dangerous time for a woman in this situation is when they're going to leave. Yes. And very true. Yeah, just the stakes are truly can be life or death. And I think more people need to talk about it. So other people know to treat it that way. Because Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone looks around at their friend group and sees a woman that could be a victim in this way. But it could be anybody. It doesn't discriminate between socioeconomic status or stability or judgments. Like none of that. Anybody can be a victim. That's so true. I think that we do formulate this sort of vision in our mind of what abuse looks like based on really ultimately popular culture, whether it's movies or TV shows, sometimes books really inform this idea that victims of abuse and abusers are low socioeconomic status, that there's little education. And that very well may be true in some situations. But I think that your friend's story and then also, like you even said, with Dirty John, which also followed a victim of abuse who was highly successful in her industry, very well respected, had a lot of money. In those situations, I think it's incredibly important to really be tuned in. In fact, you told me before we began recording that through this situation, you have really learned the value of asking hard and uncomfortable questions, particularly when our intuition is pinging us like things are not right here. So I was wondering if you could kind of walk us through what are some red flags that we should be looking for? Sure. So we are group met with a grief counselor after all this had happened, and she had just some really insightful ways to move forward. And so some of the things I learned from her, rushed intimacy, that is a big red flag when it moves really, really fast. You know, it's a flag. It's not always a sign, but it is something abusers do when they get in way too fast. I was just saying there's some things you can't rush. You know, you cannot rush that relationship or, you know, there's no substitute for time to build that intimacy. And abusers Mm -hmm. often will come in real hot and heavy. You know, you're so important to me. I love you so much, like faster than what seems reasonable. So maybe even like it's, you know, in the context of a dating relationship, especially when you're talking about adults, you know, it's hard to kind of have like a solid like timeline of when things should happen. But maybe that intimacy even is rushed in the sense of like wanting to move in together really quickly, or, you know, maybe even to take it all the way to get married really quickly in a way that is, you know, kind of either alarming or unsettling for the people around, you know, the situation as it's happening. And I think to rush that marriage or whatever without the abuser knowing the people around the victim. Mm, Yeah. To where they can't bounce this off someone else because no one else knows this person. That's concerning. I mean, that goes kind of towards the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was the isolation. 
of sowing yes. like some seeds of discord with family or with close friends or whatever they can do to kind of get their victim all to themselves. Interesting. So had you all in your friend group, had any of you all met this man or did you only know of him through what she had told you about him? I had met him a couple of times. I mean, we hadn't like spent the evening together. Mm -hmm. Another friend had it knew him better. Another thing the grief counselor talked about is looking back, did you have something in your gut about him? And we all agreed, yeah, something. But I yeah. went back to, I think he's a jerk. Like, I don't like this man. But that's a far cry from, I'm worried for your safety. Right. But another thing was that this counselor made that I thought was really helpful was to remember that you always give respect. Someone has to earn your trust. So we don't need to trust this man just because he's here and in our friends' lives. And to kind of have that as a backdrop as we're filtering this information about him. Does that make sense? It definitely does. It definitely does. You can be respectful of your friend and her relationship, but that does not equal the same thing as like, I trust that this person is good and good to you and that you are safe in this relationship. I mean, it can feel like a little bit of difficult balancing, you know, like you're walking a tightrope between the two, but there's definitely a difference there. Yeah, there is. And I think that my default is if someone I love trusts someone, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but that is not helpful here. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Such a good distinction for all of us to really think about and to remember. When it comes to really starting to have some conversations with a person, when we are concerned, when we do have that thing in our intuition, in our gut, that's like, things are off, this is not good. And we decide we're going to take that really difficult, but really important step forward of having a conversation with the person, what are some examples of some actual questions that we can ask? Well, often victims, from what I understand, kind of give a statement, you know, that that is concerning. So instead of like letting that go, which sometimes it's hard, especially if they're married, to kind of call mm -hmm. out someone's spouse, but a way to do it that is not super confrontational is to say something like, that doesn't sound normal. Or how do you feel about that? Okay. Yeah. And if you want to go, like if you're going to have a conversation, you know, without that kind of in, you can just say, I'm scared for you. Oh, that's good. You know, yeah. and kind of lead with that relationship. And some other things I've read is to say that you can normalize this. You know, as you said, one in four, some statistics even say one in three women experience that. Mm -hmm. And just to say that you're not alone, like this isn't just happening to you. This is you know, 25 to 33% of the population. And just to say that there's help and there's hope and to kind of offer some resources and then just let them, you know, take it at their pace, but not to just abandon them because the abuser has probably told them that no one's going to believe them and that they are isolated and in this alone. So true. Yeah. So just to let them know that people do believe them and they aren't in this by themselves. I think that's so important. I do think that the isolation factor is so key in terms of convincing a person that to not say anything. I mean, I am certainly by far not an expert on the dynamic here, but there's a reason why abusers use that tactic. It's very effective to keep somebody isolated. And then 
the other side of that coin is as a person, you know, as your friend begins to draw away, we sort of instinctively maybe want to be like, well, I guess I should just give her some space or whatever. And so we may, in fact, you know, kind of take a step back. And then that reinforces the idea that she is alone in this. There's definitely dynamics that are happening on both ends that can be, you know, really hard to navigate. Once you do kind of either from the a victim of abuse herself, or you actually see something that really confirms or hear something that confirms that you have a friend in a situation like this, what are some ways that you can really both support and even take it to the next level of advocate for a person in that situation? I mean, I haven't been in that spot because I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But kind of from what I've read, and then this is one thing I forgot to mention, a benchmark if you're going to ask someone about an abusive situation is just to ask if they're ever afraid. Oh, that's good. That's really right? good. That's yeah. a really clear cut way of, you know, if that's an abuser, like I can fight with my husband, but I'm not scared of him. Right. That's a very good sort of like litmus test question of like, how bad are things in this situation? Yes. And that verbal and emotional abuse always precedes physical abuse. Like it's going to start off that way and it's going to keep going. To answer your question about how do you advocate for that person? From what I've read, I think you just have to be there, Mm -hmm. you know, to just kind of keep pressing in. And, you know, if they push you away after you've pressed in, you know, they may circle back around later. You know, we don't make big decisions in one fell swoop usually. And so you've planted a seed that you're here and you love them. And I think sometimes that's all you can do. You know, you can provide them resources in your area to offer to pay for a hotel. You know, it may not be safe to have them in your house if they need to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was something that I learned as I was supporting a family member through this. One thing that I came across in several different resources is it's very important to allow a victim of abuse to have some agency in the decision to be made, to feel like they are empowered to make their own decision whenever possible. And so it was definitely, that's exactly how it looked for me to offer the resources, to make it clear that I was there to get this person to a safe place and to support them through whatever next steps would be. And it definitely was a situation where when I first, you know, was really offering all of these things, it was definitely rejected at first. And then she came back later and was like, okay, I think I have to go now. And then being able to step up and follow through, you know, the offers that I made, the resources that I had shared was really big. But I think that's so important to realize that if you do offer support and advocacy in any way, that it may not be received well at first. And there's a whole complicated thing going on in the life of the person who's being abused that, you know, may very well prevent them from taking action right in that moment. But that doesn't mean action won't happen in the future. Yeah. And just by putting it out there, it may validate some concerns they have that they're not sure if they're being abused or if this is okay or what's happening to them. Yes. So, so, so important. You know, awesome. Summer really is a great time to make health and wellness a priority again. And care of makes it so easy to upgrade your health routine. You can give yourself support this season with a little boost, whether you're looking for energy, better sleep to maintain stress, or something else to help you feel your healthiest. I was absolutely thrilled with Care Of's online quiz that tells you exactly what you need. 
Their quiz asks you about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices. It literally only takes five minutes to find out your personal, scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. This is totally going to alleviate any decision fatigue that you have about what vitamins and supplements you should be taking. Care of makes it so easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. And Care of delivers daily vitamin and supplement packs all customized to your recommendations so you're only taking what you really need. They pack it all up and send it straight to your door. It's so cute and totally customized for you. The packet even has your name on them. And another thing I really love about Care Of is that they make sure that what you're putting into your body comes from the best sources, backed by honest guidance and transparency, all available to you right there on their website. I have to tell y'all, I use Care Of's prenatal vitamins all throughout this pregnancy. And even now that my baby is here, I'm still taking them to get me through this postpartum period. And they truly are the best prenatal vitamins I've ever taken. I'm so excited for you guys to experience the awesome of Care Of. So for 25% off of your first Care Of order, go to takecareof.com and enter promo code awesome. That's 25% off of your first Care Of order when you go to takecareof.com and enter code awesome. Awesomes, I'm so excited because Lola is back. You all know I'm a longtime fan and customer of Lola, the feminine care product company founded by women for women. When the founders of Lola discovered the very unawesome fact that the FDA does not require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products, they created a company with complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes. Most major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products, and they may be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents, fragrances, and dyes. But Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. And because Lola knows that no one knows your body the way you do, they make your month a little bit easier with their fully customizable subscription boxes. You choose from their pads, liners, and tampons, and Lola now offers cleansing wipes that are safe for use anywhere on the body. They are the first biodegradable, all-natural wipe of their kind, perfect for a midday refresh. Lola wipes are individually packaged and perfect for on-the-go, and they're gynecologist-approved and hypoallergenic. Don't forget that Lola does good with every purchase. They donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. Very awesome. So for 40% off of your first month's subscription, visit mylola.com and enter awesome40 when you subscribe. That's mylola.com and enter awesome40, the number 440, when you subscribe. Thank you, Lola. I think one of the last questions I have in terms of like how to deal with this practically, and I think this is something that we probably all battle, is that we have like these sort of society driven fears about, well, I don't want to interfere. When we come up against that fear ourselves are experiencing about interfering, what advice would you give for somebody to help them kind of work through that, navigate through that to allow them to take action on behalf of a friend? Well, I mean, if this is someone close enough to you that you're worried about this, which they've probably kept as hidden as anything in their whole life, I think you've probably earned the right to speak for their well-being. You know, you've been in the trenches Mm -hmm. with them in some other way, and they have done that for you. And I think if you speak up, you have to know you might lose your friend for a while. Yeah. But if you're really concerned for this person's safety, I mean, I think that's a risk worth taking. That's so true. I love that you talked about sort of being able to speak up. I think a lot of times we doubt the strength and the power of using our own voice. 
And this is a situation where we just maybe even have to like fake it till you make it. Like even if you don't believe that you're speaking up and speaking into a situation is going to make a difference that more often than not, it may be exactly what that person needs to hear. So that finding your voice piece of this is really important. I want to transition a little bit because that is something that not only in advocacy for women who are victims of domestic violence, that is a part of your story, but also you have special needs children. And you also shared that through this process of finding your own voice and using your voice, speaking up and speaking into situations, it's really helped you to learn how to better advocate for your children who do have special needs. I was wondering what you could say more about that. Sure. I think what I've learned about speaking up for my kids, especially to people that have more like a book knowledge about their diagnoses than I do you know, an an expert with letters after their name or whatever. I think I've learned that you can listen to other people and really value what they have to say and take that in and learn from that. And that doesn't mean you don't also have something to say. It can be both things. And if you're not sharing the thing you've learned from your life, you're robbing them of the ability to learn what you've learned. And you're also shortchanging yourself because they can also speak back to you and maybe give you some framework around your thoughts or your opinions that you didn't have before. Oh my gosh, that's so true. I've never thought about it that way. But that makes so much sense that there's a kind of reciprocal nature to these kinds of conversations. I was just looking for a new therapist and I was sharing a situation like in a very fumbly way about my son. And she said, oh, what you're saying is it's low frequency and high intensity. Like, yes, that's what I said. And (laughs) and so I was able to take that to the next person and say, well, the situation is, you know. Ah, yes. It was very uncomfortable talking to the first person because I knew I didn't have the right vocabulary, but it was still helpful. Yes. I mean, I'm so glad you said that because truly one of the biggest roadblocks and points of friction to finding our voices and using our voices is that big vulnerability component to it. When you begin to use your voice, you are making yourself vulnerable and you're taking the chance that you might say the wrong thing or it might get all jumbled up or people might misunderstand you. And that to me, I really do think that's one of the biggest friction points is being able to look to the other side of it and thinking, you know, kind of doing some self-talk and some self-cheerleading, like even if this comes out wrong, I still need to say it and I may receive something back of value that's going to help me, you know, either to say it better next time or to know better what it is that I want to communicate. So that's such a huge part of all of this. It really is. And I think I'm also scared to speak up, especially on behalf of my children, because I'm afraid I'm going to be wrong. And I think I've discounted like my own knowledge just because other people have different knowledge. That doesn't make mine less valuable. It's just different. So, so, so true. Before we wrap up, I would love to know if you do have like just some more practical advice for anybody who's listening who has any kind of situation in their life, because it could be advocacy for children. It could be, you know, a difficult family dynamic, whatever. All of us have situations where we've kind of maybe been on the sidelines and really been afraid to engage and use our voice. What kind of advice would you have for people who are in the midst of that struggle? I would say, think about how your future self is going to feel if you don't say something. 
Yeah. I think we've all been in those situations where we've let it go by and then it's kind of too late and that opportunity is gone. And whoever that affects, sometimes we can't change, you know, the course that things have taken then. So just kind of think about what do I have to lose here by speaking up and adding what I've learned into this? Yeah. I have to tell you, (laughs) I've learned to make so many more decisions based on what will future Meg think about this? <laughs> it's really a good filter. It really is. It really could help you if you're stuck, if you cannot find the momentum to move forward. I mean, I will even, you know, if it's even something as simple as laundry, like, you know what? Tomorrow, Meg is going to be so happy you just started this today. Yeah. <laughs> But truly, even for like the big, like the serious decisions to think about if I'm thinking about in the future, what would I wish I had done right now in this moment? It really is very clarifying. And that gives you some like needed boost to kind of push through what can be really uncomfortable, especially people may not really want to hear it. Right. But that doesn't need to be said. Exactly. So true and so wise. And sometimes these things can feel like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I'm ever going to break through and really start to feel comfortable. And I think that's a kind of a part of it too, is just accepting the fact that some conversations are just going to be difficult. I know for myself as an Enneagram 9, we're notorious for avoiding any kind of confrontation. Hey, I'm a 9 as well. I get it. Yeah. So for us to be able to just on the front end of things, accept the discomfort and go into it knowing it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to be worth it, I think is a good component of self-talk as well. And also not to expect that that's going to be a revolutionary change. It may kind of land on deaf ears. You know, you can't control that, but maybe you planted a seed where down the road, something changes. I mean, all you can control is like what comes out of your mouth and then just Mm -hmm. let it be what it is. So true. So true. Jill, this has been so awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, speaking of uncomfortable things, this is a hard topic to talk about, really. And I know I have to believe as we are talking about these things between the two of us that, you know, with all of the awesomes that we have out there, that there are people who have directly experienced this. And not to mention there are people who are suspecting that these dynamics might be happening in the lives of friend and family. So this has been so illuminating and so helpful. So thank you so much for taking the time and coming to sort of awesome to address it with us. Well, thanks again for giving your platform to this. It's really important. And I think it helps to shine a light, you know, anywhere there's an opportunity. Absolutely. If people want to follow up with you on social media, maybe talk about this, maybe, you know, share their stories with you. Where can we find you all around the web? I would say just find me in the hangout group. That's where I am. Okay. Yes. Awesome. We will definitely do that. And that's a great place. We have tons of follow-up conversations about our topics from Sword Awesome in there. So that will be a really good place for us to kind of process through some of this. Awesomes, remember that if you're looking for me on social media, you can find me at Sword Awesome Meg. The show is over on Twitter at Sword Awesome Pod. And you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sword Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. 
Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.